0: to internet marketing for humans digestible internet marketing insight and advice to help you grow your business hello welcome back to internet marketing for humans i'm your host andrew laws and this week i'm honored to have a guest and it's a guest who's related to the world of food so i'm naturally going to be interested i have with me gaz booth and that's about as much as i'm going to say for now gaz would you like to introduce yourself
1: Yes, thank you, Andrew, and, and well you know, thanks for having me on. So great honor to be here and uh, looking forward to having a good chat today about all sorts of interesting things. So yeah. I'm Gaz Booth, uh, the co-founder of Holy Moly Dips Limited.
0: All right. Now principally the reason I got you on is I like speaking to people who have disrupted markets. And without giving away the whole story, I tell you what—I'm not even going to give a background. Daz, Gas, you—you tell us first of all. Give us, give us the elevator pitch for Holy Moly Dips.
1: Will do. So cla- it's—I suppose—in many ways, it's a classic uh, corporate to entrepreneur story. So uh, about three and a half years ago, a f- friend of mine sat round, as you do, after a few too many glasses of red wine, uh, having an argument about coriander—believe it or not. Um, and why supermarket own brand guacamole was nothing like kind of authentic, great tasting, exciting product that we know and love from our travels around the world, particularly in Mexico and South America. So
0: is this this uh, Tom Walker, your friend Tom.
1: That's, that's my good mate, my old. Um, so Tom and I have known each other 22 years, uh, we, and he's now my my co-founder. We went into to business together. So yeah, we, from that argument three and a half years ago, I think it was three weeks later, we were in rural Mexico on an avocado orchard trying to explain to the Mexicans what guacamole should be like. And, and I'll not lie to you, they did think we were a bit mad.
0: So now, three weeks, that's insanely fast. I mean, no, I, I, said just before we started, I said just before we started recording, that I've, I've kind of launched brands myself, and it's, it's, three weeks is crazy quick.
1: It's kind of one of those things of, how hard can it be? You know, but I mean, <laughs> we are from, as I, said, I mentioned my corporate background, I did 12 years in BT, so I was latterly as head of strategy in the Open Reach Network department. Um, I'd done six years in kind of corporate finance and then another six years in, in product development. And neither Tom nor I had any experience in the food industry. So in many ways, that stood us in good stead because there's a couple of things that are important in that. In that one... We, we didn't take the old, this is how it's always been done, as an excuse. You know, we, we, we came at this with a completely naive set of, you know, ideas and thinking. And, you know, that question of how hard can it be is something that only a naive person in the food industry would probably say, right? Oh, absolutely. It's,
0: it's a great standpoint, though, with, with any industry. I think people who start, it kind of goes one or two ways. Someone has a lot of experience in the industries and knows where the opportunities are, mm. but they... If you kind of do do some research, and there's plenty of books about things like this, a lot of people tend to then just make the same mistakes, or start with a very blinkered kind of mindset. So, what what was the? Let's let's talk disruption. Let's let's keep it roughly in line with the title here. What what was the first thing you wanted to disrupt, or did you not know? Were you just kind of absolutely disrupting everything by doing your own thing?
1: How dare you try and hold me to a single topic? <laughs> 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 let's talk disruption. So, no, for us, it was it was that it was that base question of why isn't current options anything like what we would make at home? Mm-hmm. And, and, and in all fairness, three and a half years later, in numerous bits of MPD and bits of you know, work that we're doing, we hold those values. Our, our aim is to make products that are as good as homemade but are as convenient as being available anywhere you would want to buy them, right? So we've absolutely stuck to that, and in a way, that naivety helps—is understanding, okay, what are the barriers to getting something that is as as good as homemade, but can be, for want of a better term, mass-produced, mm. and exists in a in a very process-driven supply chain. So it was about understanding what we wanted to achieve with the end product, sticking to that as much as we could, finding ways to get around things like how do you get around not having preservatives and additives?
0: I was going to say, because that, that's the first thing that interests me. When, when I first kind of became aware of your brand, there's, there's one word you, I've noticed you haven't used and you don't associate with your brand and that's homemade because mm. home, homemade is, has become one of those non-words. You can buy jars of pasta sauce in the supermarket that say that homemade flavor and it just has become completely meaningless you've also struck upon something which I think is probably quite timely um, I, I don't know how much research you did before but just the kind of the no additives preservatives I mean I grew up in the 70s and 80s if food wasn't kind of glow in the dark we didn't eat it
1: <laughs> I think it's fair to say we we even as a layman you know as I said from a corporate background we understood that food trends were moving in this direction you know the clean the clean deck kind of approach the no additives no preservatives the 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 replacement of bad things in food with delicious things and and don't get me wrong, look, I think it's important when we talk about disruption to understand that there's a place in the market for those things that currently exist. So when I go and speak to my supermarket buyers, I don't walk in there and say, "God, that stuff you've got on the shelf is a right load of old tosh. you know <laughs> uh, I don't because I understand that that product has come from a place where it's economical, it's convenient it, it, it it's it's decent and it does a job for them um, however, we feel we can bring you know t- turning ordinary things in- into extraordinary things and and that's why with the guacamole to start with particularly a product that thankfully a lot of people know but also a product i think people know can be better and should be better and and it and isn't quite as authentic as you would make it at home so we we had this principle that we we're going to try and you know create something that was as good as something we could create in our own kitchen but we weren't just going to do that and flog it around farmers markets, small batch. It was, can we combine this mission with a way of doing it that that allows us to truly disrupt this market? And the the answer is in technology and things like high-pressure processing and things that are... are, They've been around a while, but they're still in their infancy, really, in this country. You might have heard of cold-pressed juices. You get that quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. It's that technology, and we were the first company to do it in dips and and I think the product stands up for itself which is great and and what that allows us to do is to go into our our buyers and say here's a point of difference here's why we bring perhaps new people to the market so for instance our product doesn't contain any dairy whereas a lot of supermarket product own brand and own label stuff will uh, and does Um, it's that whole no additives no preservatives it's a clean deck there's no allergens in there whatsoever it just allows you to talk about it, having a different function. So mm. there's a place for that product and there's a place for us. And that's what makes our product work for them. We, we solve a problem or we allow them to do slightly different things with their fixtures. Well, my, my next question
0: was going to be that with an established market, I mean, you know, guacamole has, has been around for, for a long time. I don't remember in the 70s, but it must have been there. Uh, but I don't remember a lot about that. But, you know, it, it's usually in jars mm. and has quite a lot of sugar in it, I'm guessing, to help it preserve, and several other things. So when you were said that you, you're going to go and talk to supermarkets about this, my first obstacle I could see they would raise would be, well, what are we doing that's, that's wrong? You know, what, what can be improved? I can see having the, the clean eating kind of angles a good one was that what I'm trying to ask you is, where did you get your confidence from to get your foot in the
1: door? What made you think this is something the world does need? I think it's like anything. If, you, if you've travelled the world, not you don't even have to travel. You can go go around these glorious British Isles of ours and try fresh produce, try things that are just exhilarating in terms of how they taste, what they look like, how they smell. And don't get me wrong, supermarkets have done a fantastic job. Grocers have done a fantastic job. You're very diplomatic. Yes. I am, They've, but they have They've, the whole. They have responded, and things like look, plant-based ranges. Let's just let's just off a second they have responded quite quickly and are bringing great products to the market in some areas of the supermarket that's been left behind and our job is to identify where we can do things better with the same principles that we applied to the dips and you know take that on so I mean I, I don't know when this is going to air but um you know we've got a range of for instance, dairy alternative milkshakes coming out,
0: which Have you really well, that's one of my questions for later, so look, if we can park that we'll for... back there we'll come just back. just for now okay, so the it's obviously you you got yourself to the stage where you've got you've got the supermarkets, you've got you know distributors wanting to talk to you i mean how how did you get to that point? Did you distribute
1: direct at first or I think. In many ways, having a very corporate background can be beneficial, right? The entrepreneurial life is a a different one and there's different challenges. But we come from a place where these ginormous companies like BT or Utility Warehouse, where Tom worked previously, they're built on a a very solid basis of business where processes work so we always set out to build a business that was easy to run and easy to operate so that meant for us getting a supply chain that was as light touch as possible so we work with experts in the industry you know when we first set up we made sure we had the right partners that could do what we needed to do in terms of you know no 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 hassle delivery you know day one for day two delivery making sure the supply so we built built the business on building blocks that were a solid foundation and and that was very deliberate and and perhaps where our corporate background stood us in good stead i mean my as i said 12 years in total and last latterly six is kind of head of strategy i suppose gave me something to come uh into this world with so we we were very lucky that we always had that approach that this was going to be a big company and we wanted it to be big and therefore it had to have the right base. This was never going to be let's create a great product and go and flog it down the market and and see what people say. And we always targeted kind of the major the major multiples as as, as our as
0: our customers. I think that that's something that a lot of people perhaps don't realise. Having an idea and having the passion is great and all. And obviously nothing would, would start without that, but there's a lot of quite dull things that, that, that have to be done. I mean, a, f- a friend of mine once said that, he said there's no money to be made in sexy things. And I, I don't know, I think guacamole is fairly sexy. <laughs> but like, but you've, done, you, you've done the kind of the potentially unsexy things to kind of to, to get the foothold in the market. But just, yes, getting the supply chain right.
1: It's the unsexy things that make all the difference. So, to be totally honest, it's things. I think that's going to be the quote on the on the oh. little uh, card: the unsexy <laughs> things make the difference. Uh, sticking uh, with that. <laughs> I think the key, is, you know, like I say, we 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 kind of have this great idea in mind of what we want our product to be, but actually, more importantly, is how do you how do you create a, a you know a process that allows you to have that end produce? So, trying to find you know the technology and you know, the best ingredients in the world meant we had a very uh, niche set of requirements in a in a in a partner, a producer, which led us to Mexico, you know, because the world's best avocados are there. They were committed to using only hundred percent natural ingredients if that's what we asked for. Um I, I honestly thought the Mexicans thought we were mad when we stepped off that plane into their kind of kitchen and would it's a bit like uh, Yorkshire puddings. Every grandmother in Mexico has her own guacamole recipe. So oh, we've right. got two, two, you know, two British lads off the plane, you know, and, and it was quite good, they were, but they were super receptive. And-
0: I was going to say, with all due respect to you, kind of just getting that meeting... It's kind yeah. of a, that's a, a fairly a, are you both kind of just dripping with charisma and <laughs> You're a, a, a Yorkshire can do <laughs> attitude
1: <laughs> I think it was that I think it was that not taking no for an answer and, and that again and the night na- in a way the naivety helped us because we, we could just claim ignorance I know that sounds ridiculous and, and three and a half years four years later I can no longer get away with that which is mm. which you know it's a bit of a shame um but yeah, it was, it was it was let you know, let's go over there, let's get the meeting, let's let's tell them what we're about. They didn't have a foothold in the UK market. There was no product like ours when, when we started out. And um yeah, thankfully we found a really good, you know, a family owned avocado orchard over there that we, we work with to this day. And and they're super receptive about new development, new products, you know, they, they, they love it. We and you know, we, we are one of their kind of flagship partners that they go and tell the rest of the world about, which is quite nice as well. So
0: yeah, so, so what, you're, what I'm hearing is a story that's saying disrupting the market is cool and neat and all. And to be fair, we, I'm using it as the podcast title because it's kind of a fairly hot thing and it's, it's a bit clickbait, really. It's a bit Buzzfeedy, But the reality is that you can use that to, to establish a brand initially and, and gain interest and get, get the right people interested, so not just the public but the distributors. Yeah. But the fact is you've got to have something that will slot into somebody else's system Fairly easy, I guess, whilst retaining your own personality over
1: it. Well, you think about it, right? No, no, no Tesco, no Sainsbury's, no Waitrose, no Car. are going to put anything on their shelves that doesn't conform. Mm. I think conformity is an interesting word, and it's not conform in 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 the sense of you know it, it, it being a new product. They're not. They're new products are, are interesting and different if you can show the value in them to the to, to the you know the customer but they will still have to conform in terms of food safety, technical checks, the, the boring stuff, that mm. the underneath. You can be as disruptive as you like in the food industry. You can come up with the greatest product in the world. If it doesn't meet, you know, basic food standard requirements, it's not going on any shelf anywhere in the world, ever.
0: Well, and also food retailers, just from my own professional experience in the field, are incredibly conservative, you, know, you can't you can't approach anyone who sells food at any level and say, "Hey, we've got this wacky idea," because they'll probably have choice words to say, or oh, you won't get to speak to them in the first place.
1: And I think that comes back to your point earlier, which thankfully people know what uh, know what guacamole is. They know what dips are. It's an established fixture in the in the UK grocery market. All we had to do was do it a bit better, mm. and. Be different enough that we were disrupting a market, which we, which we have done, and 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 that's been we're very very proud of that. But also understand that there are boxes to tick, whether you like mm. it or not. There are boxes to tick, and that's not just about your your product. That's about your business. You know, if if you don't have trading history, or you you know you, you know as well as I do, it's all the basics have to be done right. You don't mess with the tax man. You don't mess with you know. The food safety people in the food industry, <laughs> and that's it. It, it. You know, it's simple as that.
0: Yeah, so it's it's, it's key things there. Yeah, I, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm 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 seeing kind of quite a clear picture of, of why this is going places. So this isn't a, a tough interview, but one of the things that typically happens with somebody who disrupts a market and proves a, proves a, or identifies a need that's not currently being met is competitors come marching along very very
1: quickly. Like sometimes within months, yeah, yeah. Have, have you sometimes experienced super- anything like that? Sometimes supermarket own brands get get their act together and, and try and do that. Um, I, I would say this. I would say we have seen more avocado based stuff coming out, which is a testament to the fact that we've created this need for different, more authentic. Potentially, is is how it would you, is how I would describe it. But they also they would have to, there's certain things that you can't replicate, it, it, no matter how, well, you can. If, if, you, if you had the wherewithal to go to Mexico, use the same processes, it, you would get an exact same product. But that's what stands us apart. We take that burden, hmm. dare I say it, and we do that on behalf of our customers because they can trust us to do it, and we've got experience of doing it, and we've built a supply chain that is easy for them. And chilled supply chains are quite tricky anyway. But having one that runs smoothly where, you know, Sainsbury's can place an order today and they get it tomorrow, that gives them peace of mind. That means that what that does to them is, is it in the balance of do we create our own own brand version of doing this or do we let Holy Moly can continue to deliver for us and our customers and do it in a really effective way with a product that adds color and vigor and a bit of excitement to the fixture, it becomes a bit of a, an easier dis- decision for a supermarket to, to make we my job is to make it as hard as possible for them to want to get rid of my products off the shelves, and and that's every day we think about that. What sets us apart? What are we doing next? That that people understand what we stand for. We generally know once customers try our product, they'll stick with it because I think you can taste the difference in it. Um, and, and 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 our job, and we talked very briefly about this, of what we're doing next is to understand how we can look at other areas of the supermarket potentially or other areas of, of, of the food industry and say, do you know what? It's kind of, we don't want to dominate the world. We just want to occupy a very unique space where kind of convenience, taste and, and natural ingredients just come together. That's what we want to be about. We Disrupting it is all well and good, but it's, we, don't, we don't want to, yeah, we don't want to dominate. We just want people to trust what we do. And, and in that way, the more people that trust what we do, the more people get involved in our products and in our story and in our in, in what our brand's about, the bigger the customer base, and the bigger you become as a, as a as a company so that's what we're about
0: yeah so from from my perspective on that is that that's your
1: classic organic growth
0: it's 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 doing it doing it the right way i mean there there's some some companies have have done very well making bold statements. I think it was IBM wanted an IBM computer on the every desk in the world yeah. Like, yeah, you, you can try and do that. And they did do it for a little while. But what happened was, while they were busy trying to put a computer on every desk of the world, Microsoft came along and did their version of what they were doing. And then a million other companies came along. Suddenly, they're, they're no longer the big player.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, cool. I'm with That's it. I'm, I mean, I'm a be- fan of the brand, clearly. <laughs> on, I wouldn't mind being a pound be- behind IBM. I won't lie to you. <laughs> they do what they do incredibly
0: well. I think they've done all right. I think saying IBM is, is not doing uh, you know, as well as they would is like saying you know the people in the International Space Station are doing all right, but it's not like they've done the jump to light speed in the Millennium Falcon yet. You know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> the people that have almost, the kind of people I look up to that have done this before and t- taken a really established, almost set market, and just through their commitment to doing something different and doing something better... And, and the big one that jumps to mind, I think that most people, is BrewDog, right? I was gonna,
0: yeah, it's exactly the one I was thinking of.
1: You know, the guys up there have, have just done a fabulous job of getting people to buy into. What, and I'm a huge fan of I'm a show, you know, I'm an equity for punk, right? So I bought into the, the, so much that I own a bit of the company. But mm. um, and, and all that, on, you know, no disrespect to BrewDog. There are thousands of small brewers now that are coming through with beer that is comparable to Punk IPA, Right. And they've got, they've got some competition, but what they stand for sets them apart and, and makes you a loyal customer of theirs. And, and in, in many ways, that's what we are trying to achieve. And I, I really love the job they've done, but they've not worried about the big boys. they have not worried about what Heineken or Molston Coors or SAB Miller are going to do. They've set their stall out. They've stuck to it. They've done it, executed really effectively, made it impossible for buyers to take their products off the shelf. And growing a, a, an army of of fans doing so, even though there are, you know, I don't profess to be a beer expert, but there's some great other companies coming out and 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 attacking them from the other end now. You no, know, mm. they've almost become the establishment, and, and and they've just got it. That's why I, I like how they keep refreshing their what they're about.
0: Yeah, you you don't stand still. There's there's a couple of kind of really really cool perspectives on this this sort of disrupt the market, then, then not fearing the competitors. One is I've got a client who I asked him a similar thing, and he said he is absolutely thrilled Thrilled when someone starts up a company to try and beat him. Mm-hmm. He said it keeps him on his toes, and it keeps him kind of getting better and better. And, of course, the other big the other big one is that if somebody right now looks at Holy Moly and says, you know what? I'm going to do that, they're three years behind you. Yeah. You know, they're, they're not there. There's a brilliant story which might be apocryphal um, that – in the 70s and 80s, when the Japanese car market started to really threaten Detroit, Honda or Toyota said to General Motors, "Look, you can have an office in our factory. If you want to see how we're doing this, yeah. send your guys over here. Send your R and D guys. We'll give them, they, You know, we'll answer anything on our production line that they could possibly want to do." So, kind of General Motors or whoever it was. Went over, you know, They leapt at the chance. You know, they wanted to see how these Japanese companies were just thrashing American companies, and they spent years in this, you know, in the factory writing everything down, trying to replicate that in Detroit. And a lot of people thought it was a really strange thing for Japan, for the Japanese Motor Institute to do. But what they're effectively doing was keeping America five years behind them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, no, it, it's absolutely right. And I, I, I suppose the other good thing about. This is we're not we 're not alone right there are other there are hundreds and i mean literally hundreds of fantastic smaller food companies that are taking on the establishment in this space right and and you know even in, even in dips right i 'm sure she won 't mind me saying we 're almost kindred spirits, so you know we 've got Juliet moorish for instance, who 's trying to do in hummus you know and and is, and is successfully doing so by the way I will add before she Sends me a text upon on hearing this, uh, you know what we what we've done in our area of the world, and actually we spur each other on. It's great to have someone who's on a, who understands the journey that you're on, because actually, and this sounds awful. There's a bigger common enemy, and enemy's not the right word, absolutely. Not. But there's 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 people out there that whose products we feel our products are better than, and 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 that's no bad thing. That's that's a free market. That's what, that's what we do, right?
0: Well, this is how a movement starts. It's hey, hey, you do something similar to what I do. Let's look out for each other, and we we can help each other grow. This is how we're not in a world that is massively homogenised by brands. I mean, there there is a lot of grumbling about about kind of globalisation and the mass impact of brands, and that's never going to change. But the reality is, what the people who may have been seen as the underdogs, like BrewDog, they're not the underdogs now. BrewDog, I think their turnover is nearly as as big as Bass. Yeah. now so i mean that's big that's kind of victorian you know victorian
1: empire building kind of big You <laughs> you get james on the podcast see what he says about it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, uh, that'd be interesting actually but hey, well, well i think you're right but the 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 point here is and this is where it gets quite interesting from a philosophical standpoint i don't have a problem with with the 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 huge conglomerate you know the Kraft Heinz, the, you know, the, you know, the you, PepsiCo, the Unilever, you know, they are, are incredibly successful business. I, I don't come at this on an, an evangelical thing around we must take down these megaliths. That's, that's not what I'm about. I'm about bringing something interesting and different to the market that, that does what I want it to do. And in fact, the interesting thing in, in the food world is I think a lot of these big companies are starting to recognize and understand some of these smaller players, smaller being a very operative word, and I'll give you an example in a minute. And they're starting to look at investments and taking some of the good stuff that they're doing, and that's really how that we we move the whole industry forward. So when uh, I think it was who was it that bought Grace it might have been Mondelēz, I think it was for. I oh, I, did, I didn't know they'd been sold. I'm not surprised, but yeah. you know. But it was about recognizing that. We might have taken a stake in them. I might mean, have just done the great guys a disservice there. But understanding that that's a, a, a business that can add value to a bigger business. And, and you know it's happening all the time. You look at Heineken, who just bought 10% of Double Dutch, and, and there's lots of interesting things going on um, where the big boys are recognizing that some of these smaller players are a bit more agile, bringing interesting and new stuff. And rather than try and get through the bureaucracy of doing it themselves and building a brand from scratch, they've basically got ready-made businesses that have got a good following, good solid businesses, great products, great MPD pipelines, and and, and and are using that to kind of fuel their growth, you know? So it's quite it's quite interesting. It is, and there's companies that, that I'm
0: aware of, um, and people I know who who are specifically developing brands for that reason, to to create a package product ready to kind of pass on to to a larger company. It's, it's, it's all, I find it, I really like it because I come from a, well, I come from a punk rock background playing in bands and whatever. So I've always had the attitude of of doing it yourself. And this, this just kind of speaks to that because if you and your mate hadn't have had those glasses of wine... And got into. I don't. You know. I deliberately told myself I wouldn't mention the phrase middle class, shoreditch, smashed avocado onto any of those things during this podcast.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's it. That's where we end the interview. (laughs) (laughs) But if, if you if
0: you hadn't have had that discussion. You, we wouldn't be talking now, and I'm, I'm not saying your life would be all the darker for not speaking to me. But I mean, we yeah, the, the world
1: be, has changed. We'd still be two best mates from Yorkshire that that you know probably were still drinking too much red wine of a Friday night. We just didn't act on it. I mean, don't get me wrong; we've had some crazy ideas in the past and and, and done them. Uh, you know, we okay. had. So this isn't your first one. No, no, we had. Oh God, oh, go was, on, share, share. So we had two businesses went through whilst well, we were at university together actually we did um, this is going to age me but there we are so we did basically next same day delivery of kind of student essentials so reams of paper cd-roms um, it's really not the direction
0: i thought that was going to take we no no, student no essentials
1: yeah so we, we were campus based and so we basically our, our unique selling point was we like to say we were the amazon of our day <laughs> <laughs> which university was this uh, Aston. So I we went to Aston Business School. So, um, okay. in Birmingham, so we were both Aston uh, graduates. So we, we had that. We had an events company. We've done all sorts of, of bits and bobs. We also did the first kind of uh, student, uh, I suppose you would call it, the nearest equivalent. Again, this is going to sound mighty high, but it was almost a, fa- a Facebook review site. You could basically go and talk about the pubs in Birmingham and da-da-da and you know interact. And there was a message board. And... I remember we were, how old were we? Probably, at yeah, very late teen, you know, 1920. And that was our first experience really of having corporate interest in our, our business. We built that oh, wow. and then a, a team came from Deloitte, I remember, came along and wanted to, because to, they were doing lots in the student world. Um, and yeah, so, you know, we've, we've always had these crazy harebrained schemes. This one's probably the first one we've ever um, really committed to full time uh obviously quit our corporate jobs and fingers crossed, going all right. Uh but we we won't stand still. We know we've got loads more to do. Loads 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 more to do.
0: Okay, so so two two messages I think um that anyone listening to this who's considering kind of taking on I would say this this is proof that brands don't emerge fully formed just straight oh. off the bat. I mean almost without fail, anyone who does well or is doing well has it's not their first what's the american phrase not their first rodeo i think they say
1: yeah you've got to have a few failures in life i think first and secondly you've got to
0: do the unsexy stuff the non-sexy stuff
1: the only way you only way you can disrupt an industry that's as set in its ways almost i guess the long term but as established as as food is understand what the rules of the game are Mm. know how you can improve upon them and do things better but just know what the basic standards are that, that are just levels of acceptability, you know, no, no, no supermarket, no matter how good your product is, no grocer is going to give you a listing. If you can't deliver 10,000 units day one or two after, you know, it's been ordered, you just have to have things in place that make it, a we all, you know, make it a no brainer for them. So we, we, when we go and speak to new customers, we, we, we kind of have, a very three you know three very simple questions that, that we asked that were you know what do we help you do you know what do we bring to to your fixture to your and and that might not be about what's happening in dips it might be what's happening wider it might be you know a commitment because because our products are vegan they uh, we don't design them as vegan but guacamole if you make it at home should just be vegan right that's, that's mm-hmm. be- I remember being at a food chance like, oh, i can't believe you well done well done for making b- Brilliant vegan guacamole, and I can't. Kind of, kind of yeah, we you fished know. out. We fished out the chicken bones. <laughs> and, <you> know, <laughs> know what, like. and I kind of sat there and thought, you know what? We've not. We've not done anything that you know you couldn't do, because good guacamole is vegan. That's that's just a, that's just a given. We, we, we're not, of course, vegan and veganism and flexitarianism is a huge, a huge part of what's going on, and we're we're proud to be, uh, you know, plant based, you know we call ourselves a plant-based food technology company of course that's that's mainly buzzwords although <laughs> all of them are buzzwords they're not mainly all of them are buzzwords. <laughs> um, but you know it, it's so it's yeah you've got to, You, the, the central point is you know what do you do for the for the fixture what do you do for the supermarket will it sell because at the end of the day you can have the best product in the world if it's £20 in a fixture where everything else costs a quid it's, it's just not going to fly can you do it? Can you actually physically handle something like seven day a week ordering for Sainsbury's into 12 depots for 800 stores? So and that's a great problem to have, by the way. You get to that, oh, it, it, you say
0: it's a great problem to have, but I think that there's a lot of focus when developing brands of getting to the point of getting the deal. And a client of mine once said, we, I was involved in what was quite a big deal for them. And I said, oh, you know, this is brilliant. This is really exciting. And he, he didn't. I said, like, you don't seem pleased. And he's like, no. This is where this is where the problems start. <laughs> it's like, th- this is where the hard work. I was like, really? Because we've done all this stuff to get the sale. I'm, no, no, no. That that's just that bit. Now, now we knuckle down.
1: And I've got a, a live example. So We have mentioned them earlier. I'll come back to them. I think it's a good opportunity of these uh, dairy alternative uh, milkshakes. And they there are- you go. That's that's my next question. What's next? <laughs> so they are genuinely that they are. Again, 100% natural, same principles, no additives, no preservatives, using the same technology on the dips for a chilled... And it, and it, it basically... I mean, again... You could if I gave you the ingredients, you could go and make these products in your blender at home, which I think is the best thing. Cause when people say, I don't want to. <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> when people come to me at food shows and say, I make my own guacamole, as if that's some sort of insult to me. <laughs> I give them How a dare you. I give them a high five and say, That's fantastic. You know, that's exactly what we're about. So it's the same with, you know, these are just fruit, fruit, puree, you know, actual fruit, no artificial flavorings. Um, An almond milk, and, and because of the technology, you know, you're looking at you know forty, fifty days plus shelf life, which is unheard of in, in the chilled space, and and they're just great products. You know, I, I, I will get the nutritionals wrong because Tom's actually looking at this bit, but, but much less sugar, much less fat, opens up a whole new market of people that can try something indulgent and delicious, and you know, be at kind of. Under the Holy Mo brand, so you know what you're going to get when you open it and try it. So that, that, is, that is an amazing thing that's happening. Launches, well, I don't know when this is going out, so it launches 23rd of September, or has launched on 23rd of September. Yeah, it, it will have launched by, by the time Le- this comes out. Delete is appropriate. Uh, but, that, so, for instance, we're talking about doing the dirty stuff, right, doing the, doing the difficult stuff. That's coming from a cooperative-owned um, fruit farm in Europe, not a supply chain that we've, we've, we've had before, but we'll, we'll link in directly into our supply chain in the UK. So we've just, got to, we've just got to fit them in. We've just got to understand how the nuts and bolts work together. And that is the hard work. As, as, so
0: you, are you nurturing them? Are you using your experience to prepare the people who are supplying you now?
1: In, in a way, what we do now, uh, it's funny enough, because I mentioned these big, giant world global conglomerates, we have we we do have conversations with them where they've said, "Can you help us with X, Y, and Z?" and and that, which is really really uh, exciting, but also a, a great vindication of what we're up to and what we're doing. But also, I suppose people are kind of now saying we've been around for you know three and a half, four years, and we we now must have some sort of expertise. I like to think we're still those two naive chaps that walked in. Into a Mexican avocado orchard, you know, three and a half years ago. But we're not. We we have built a you know a supply chain that works and is efficient and 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 is is no hassle. Um, and now, yeah, we are trying. We, we do try and help others as well. You know, there's other entrepreneurs that we can help out. Um, and we always try and give something back. We're, by no means are we we we're, we're very early on still in our journey. But yeah.
0: However, you know, even if you'd only been going a couple of days, there'll be something that you know that somebody who's two days
1: behind you. You know, yeah, can, can can benefit from. Uh, it's it's just things like you know. I don't want to talk about Brexit. I don't think it's. I don't. I don't have any you know strong political views either way anymore on this. I think it's a case of making the making it work for us. But you know, there, if if after December thirty first, there's not some sort of arrangement, then there's a seven percent tariff at the moment planned for, you know, the fruit that comes in for our and. That's um, you know, about
0: as unsexy as it gets, Gaz.
1: I know, I know. But you know what? This is the kind of stuff that no one tells you about when you go to entrepreneurial classes. <laughs> <laughs> You're absolutely right. Tariff, tariff, right. Tariff, tariff, tariff schedules are the least sexy thing that you could do any sort of podcast about. Uh, but you want to know about, you know, importing stuff, you've got to know about tariff schedules. And, and, and absolutely. I didn't want to know about them. I still don't. I, I want nothing to do with them, if I'm totally honest back to life is just got to you've got to deal with it and crack on haven't you? that's just well, that
0: sounds like a pretty good summary to wrap it all up back to <laughs> life is you just got to crack on and get on with it on. okay guys this has been absolutely great um we haven't actually told people where your website is or how they can find out more about holy moly
1: dips. Oh, well you can obviously go to our website holymolydips.com i am available to any uh you know entrepreneurs or budding people out there that want to just spend some time together thrashing through some ideas. So you can get me at gaz at holymolydips.com and I'll just forward the emails to Tom, which is, which is ideal.
0: Well, <laughs> if say on a podcast, get in touch with me or someone else will deal with
1: it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, um, yeah, if feedback, we're, we're always happy to hear from, you know, our customers, but also, you know, if there is any way that we can help, we've been, we've been so nurtured on our journey by a fellow entrepreneur community um that we feel we feel you know that we, we want to be a part of bringing on the next lot even though we're still early in that journey so yeah holy moly and and in fact i'm not even sure it's going to be called holy moly dips for much longer <gasps> going on i think we might be um we'll see, we'll see. okay
0: <laughs> uh, well thank you very much for your time dan's appreciate it i'm gonna say goodbye john say goodbye thanks
1: for listening everyone and uh, i'm sure we will speak again